0: There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today.
1: Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Minor. Hello, folks. How we just move from awareness to action this week is Brett Hunt, the Executive Director at ASU's Public Service Academy, United States Army Veteran. Welcome, Brett.
0: Thanks so much for having me, gents.
1: Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for your service. Absolutely. So, ASU Public Service Academy the, uh, the Public Service Academy answers our nation's call for a new type of leader character driven leader armed with the courage to cross sectors connect networks and ignite action for the greater good. That is an ambitious and impressive mission.
0: It is yes. It's uh, hard work uh, every day uh, trying to uh, figure out if you're if you're staying on mission or not. But uh, luckily, we've got some incredible, incredible students that are about to graduate, and uh, love to tell some of their stories about how they're they're stepping up to meet the, that challenge.
1: Awesome. Yeah, excited to learn all about it. Um, well, obviously, I mentioned that you were in the, the the United States Army, but would love to just take a take a look back at your career path and, and how you ended up the executive director.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank, and thanks for the question. Um, so I was uh, born and raised about two hours away from Phoenix uh, in the metropolis of Globe, Arizona. Um, a really nice. <laughs> uh, a, a great, great small town to be from. And I really mean that. Uh, you know, I, I believe in uh, knowing where you come from. Uh, and uh, Globe was an incredible place for me to grow up. A great small town uh, where people, you know, have real jobs uh, and uh, work hard. And um, and you know it was football football on Friday night and uh, burning pallets in the desert uh, on on uh, on Saturday. Nice, uh, really a great place great place to grow up. And coming out of Globe, there were really a couple paths that most people took. You went and worked at the mine, and that was highly dependent on copper prices. Still is today. Um, copper prices weren't great when I graduated. Uh, if you didn't do that, uh, likely you went off to the military. So a very high rate, very uh, target-rich environment for recruiters uh, in you know small towns uh, around the country, but particularly here in Arizona. Or you went off to college, and most of us, um, you know, just based on the economics of of being uh, from globe from a small mining town, you know, you, you were looking for scholarships or you know taking student loans. And so I kind of did a hybrid of those those final two. Uh, and I went to the University of Colorado Boulder on a, on an Army ROTC scholarship. So that was kind of my route to pay for college uh, and to kind of go into uh, what I saw and see as a purpose driven career. So I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder and uh, had a great four years commissioned out of there as uh, an army second lieutenant, and I commissioned uh, in the first class. That was commissioned after 9/11, so we were the first kind of May commissioning class. Which is commissioning means when you become uh, an officer in the military after 9/11. So wow. we uh, knew that we were going to go off uh, to some form of of uh, you know fighting uh, terrorists after the 9-11 it was you know we'd already invaded Afghanistan by the time I graduated and commissioned and uh, that's exactly what we did Um, and so I graduated and within let's see how many months of that within eight months I was uh, in Kuwait getting ready for the invasion of Iraq so went from literally college kid um, to eight months later you know leading a platoon uh, in Kuwait, getting ready for the invasion of Iraq, and then and then up into Iraq. One, you know, uh, uh, once the war started, so that's what I was doing. Uh, let's see, sixteen years ago today uh, was was wow. over there in the desert. So went in, uh, did that. Uh, just I, I really enjoyed the military, um, but had an incredible opportunity to, to transition over. Was lucky enough to pass the foreign service exam and, and head over to the foreign service. Um, so after my time in the military, uh, I transitioned over to the Foreign Service, and uh, was both in D.C. and then down in Mexico as a vice consul in the consulate in Guadalajara, and I loved it. It was a great, great career. I really uh, enjoyed both in the military and the Foreign Service, you know, going to work someplace every day that had a flag up front. Uh, that meant a lot to me, uh, means a lot to me that I had the opportunity to do that, and I think it's really both growing up in a small town, where you know we would see one year somebody starring on the football field, and the next year they were off uh, the United States Marine, traveling around the world. Uh, that, along with. Uh, my time, you know, working in the military uh, and in the in the, in the consulate and the diplomatic corps is what really imbued in me this desire to serve something larger than myself and almost, uh, you know, uh, a dysfunction to be able to do anything else, <laughs> frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I kind of have to have that check on, on me every single day of what am I doing to, you know, kind of make things a little bit better uh, and to serve something larger than myself. How am I doing my part? And so, um, so we did that. Uh, and then it turns out I got married to my beautiful wife, uh, Lindsay, uh, who's from Litchfield park and, uh, here in Phoenix. And, um, it turned out that the military and the foreign service were great careers for me and they were <laughs> horrible for a marriage. So, so we, we had our, our next assignment was to, uh, was going to go to Japan, which was a great, incredible assignment. I loved my work. And uh, I remember my my beautiful wife saying, you know, I think that's a great career for a single guy. And uh, I'm not too sharp, but I put two and two together that I could keep the career and be single or stay married uh, and uh, <laughs> and change careers. And so I luckily made the right choice. We came home and uh, came back here to the private sector uh, right as uh, the the 2008 recession uh, bore down on Phoenix specifically and, and you know, the, this state national and international economy. And so I went into the private sector and I went to work for a family company, uh, farming. So, uh, oddly, oddly enough, I have very soft hands now, but at one time I didn't (laughs) and, uh, worked in the vegetable industry. So that was a really great, uh, enormous opportunity and incredible learning experience that I did for four years, um, before kind of Figuring out that, you know, I needed to I needed to get myself back into serving something a little larger than myself um, Not it was nothing against the private sector or, or against uh, the company at all. It's just I missed that uh, I kind of Got down on myself about you know, what, what am I doing to move things forward to, to benefit the country? And so I started working on issues around immigration reform which is something that impacted the farm or impacts it to this day uh, intimately And that brought me into this space uh, working in in D.C. I was based here in Arizona, but spending a lot of time in D.C. on Capitol Hill advocating for immigration reform around 2013 when the Gang of Eight bill was moving forward. That got me around some other people who are working on this crazy thing uh, called uh, public service academy and 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 really trying to re-engage young Americans in service to the nation. And uh, luckily, uh, I live in the same state uh, with the number one university for innovation in the country. And uh, Dr. Michael Crow, our president, uh, decided to launch the first of those public service academies here at Arizona State University. So it just ended up being this kind of crazy, opportunity that doesn't come come along very often particularly here in arizona uh doesn't come along very often and and in most people's lives doesn't come along that they would you know have the opportunity to apply for something like that and uh i think all of the good candidates didn't apply and so they chose me and uh i came over <laughs> to the service academy in two thousand two thousand fifteen. 2015 so that's that's how i got to where i'm at uh today
1: what an awesome Brett. journey
2: thanks for sharing that Brett. and i mean you're you you were very humble and your uh, your journey through your through your career, but um, as as you know, I am personally just enamored with the work of Public Service Academy. But for our listeners, can you kind of walk through the the mission, the vision, the model of all that you do?
0: Absolutely. So. The um, kind of vision for the Public Service Academy is that uh, we should re-engage young Americans in service to the nation and make service to the nation, and I'll define that a little more discreetly in a moment, uh, just a common expectation. That's a common expectation for all young Americans that you serve the nation in some way or another. So the concept really came from both Dr. Crow and uh, legendary newsman Tom Brokaw, And their scholarship out of The Greatest Generation saying, you know, in World War II, my uh, grandfather fought in the Pacific uh, and my grandmother had a victory garden here at home. And everybody was engaged in the fight uh, against evil, whether you were here at home or, you know, on the ground around the world. Now, nobody wants a world war and nobody wants compulsory military service. But the question that Brokaw was asking was, how do we reengage the nation in that kind of common cause again? right, in, in some type of common cause, a common expectation of service. And his concept was, in part, we would have a public service academy where folks train, just like we train military officers for military leadership, we would train civilian public service leaders for service to the nation. And uh, Dr. Crow heard uh, this this uh, speech uh, from Mr. Brokaw. And uh, fast forward a couple years, uh, he said, you know, I think Arizona State University is the the place to pilot this, try it out, see how it works, and then launch it around the country. So that's what we did in 2015. The mission uh, of our organization is to develop character-driven leaders with the courage to cross sectors, connect networks, and ignite action for the greater good. So taking students with a whole variety of different majors today, we're at about 133 different majors, 562 students. They study their chosen major. Alongside that, they take coursework in cross-sector collaboration. They do internships in the public, private, and nonprofit sector. And then they serve in leadership positions at the university, whether that be at the actual university, the current student body president of the of the university is our student. Uh, or within our program. So we have at any one time about 50 students who are running major parts of our program. So they do all of that, which is, you know, it's quite, quite a bit of work, um, with the goal of developing them into those character-driven leaders. So leaders that lead with their values, that understand what their ethics are and are constantly matching those ethics to where it is they're engaging, what it is they're doing, the organizations that they're working with, and uh, really attempting to to move all of that forward. So um, that's the, the work that, that we're doing today. We have, like I said, the 562 students. Uh, we're on all four campuses here uh, in Arizona as well as the D.C. campus. We have a study abroad program in Peru. Next year we'll, we'll be launching one in San Jose, Puerto Rico. And um, we will be commissioning or graduating our first class here on May 4th, which we have students that are going off to do incredible things from the Peace Corps, Teach for America, AmeriCorps, City Year, uh, prestigious uh, presi- prestigious management programs with uh, KPMG and others, um, and you know we're really proud to kind of get that first group out the door and off doing what they're supposed to do, which is, uh, is which is to impact the world positively.
1: Well, congratulations! That's awesome. 133 majors, 562 students. Very, very, very cool.
2: It's impressive.
1: From a uh, just. Um, I guess, from lack of a better term, from a logistics standpoint, how how do you how do you select students for the program? Um, is it a certain number of hours a week? Do they get credit? Do they get a certificate when they graduate? How, how does all that work?
0: Great question, great question. So uh, let's start with selection. So Arizona State University, uh, our charter dictates that we will be known not by whom we exclude rather by whom we include and how they succeed. And so we don't want to be an exclusive place where less than you know half of one-tenth of one percent make it into the university. We want to be a place that anybody who wants to come and learn, whether you're an A, B, or maybe even a C student, and whatever phase you are at in your life, whether you're a traditional incoming 18-year-old or you're a single mother, uh, or you're, you know, a 50-year-old who's had one career and is ready to transition or elevate your career. We want to be the place where you come to be educated. So we have that mandate within the Public Service Academy as well. So what you won't see in inside my organization is the very exclusive group of the top academic uh, and, you know, folks who've had every, you know, incredible opportunity Um, those are not the only people within our organization. We want a cross section of the university and the university is a cross section of the state of Arizona. So yes, I do want the kid from the parochial school who has done service, who has engaged in their community, um, who has a 4.0 and is in the Barrett honors college. I want that. I want that student, but I also don't want a program full of those students. I want the student who is helping raise their siblings uh, and is working a job on the side and has never been in student council because they don't have the time to do it, I want that student in my program as well. And this goes back to the kind of the concept, again, of ASU of being known by whom we include and how they succeed, but it also goes back to the fact that we as a nation have a leadership crisis and we need leaders in every sector and in in every level of industry, um, who are character driven, who can go out and do the right things for the right reasons at the right time. We currently train military officers, um, and and that's kind of the way that we look at infrastructure leadership for the nation. And we see in times of crisis that oftentimes we re- we rely on military leadership uh, to get us through. What we want to do is we want to create that leadership infrastructure. In engineering, in medicine, in business, in education, in all of those different areas, we should say we deserve character-driven leaders in these areas as well. It's not to say we don't have them today, but we don't do anything as a nation to actually coherently develop those leaders. That's what we're trying to do with the Public Service Academy.
1: Got it. Right. So, go ahead. I was going to say I I, I
2: love um, the mission, vision, model, and. Hopefully, and you alluded to this earlier, you'll give us a couple of – I'm I'm curious to hear about some of the students that are leaving um, the program right now and going into uh, private sector government and what those actual individuals look like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You want want me to jump right into that right now? Yeah, by all means Go for it. Awesome. So uh, some incredible students. I'll start with uh, Amani Stevens, an incredible uh, young woman journalism major from Compton, California. She came to ASU and has just taken advantage of every – Opportunity that ASU and the ecosystem that is ASU and the, and our program, the Public Service Academy, has 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 offered. Um, you know, she's she's been given nothing. She has taken full advantage of everything that is inside of that ecosystem. So she will be going off to um, CBS. Um, she spent last summer on the uh, CBS Evening News desk um, in New York City, and she'll be heading back, I believe, to either New York City or LA um, to go uh, to go do that work. Her you know, social mission is really uh, elevating the role of minorities uh, in media, and she's a guarantee that Amani uh, will be on the evening news or whatever the, whatever the equivalent of that is in five years. Um, incredible young lady. Nice. We have Sammy Mooney, uh, who is from Scottsdale, and she is, has t- again taken full advantage of every opportunity here at ASU. Has been a top leader within our program, and she's going off to Teach for America in Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado. We have um, a whole variety of other students, Alvaro Martinez, uh, who is a top aerospace engineering student, who will be going on to either the U.S. Air Force or the United States Army. We have uh, Jacob Luttrell, who did both ROTC and the Public Service Academy at the same time. Uh, I don't know where, where he came up with any time to be able to do anything else. And he's going off commissioning as a second lieutenant the United States Army, Ah, uh, branched infantry. So he'll be heading off to Fort Benning, Georgia. So that's just kind of a cross section, and and you can kind of see in the different areas we have folks going into the private sector, uh, public sector, uh, nonprofit sector, all of those those different areas in order to be able to go out and provide leadership infrastructure for the nation.
1: Nice. That's awesome. Impressive crew. Yeah, for sure. So I'm I'm so happy uh, to to hear that that your program is in place and and you're you're bringing in all these great students and I have to imagine it's going to continue to grow and grow and it's no surprise to me that Tom Brokaw uh, was really one of the motivating forces behind this and you talk about um, how there's a leadership crisis and I think that that's hundred percent true I think that there's a crisis of purpose and all these sort of things going on in our country what do you point to for that lack lack of leadership
0: that's a difficult one. Um, you know, I think we've had this long-term deterioration in our trust in our institutions. Um, and I uh without getting, you know, too far into the weeds or making this too much of a uh counseling session, I take <laughs> a lot of that back to uh our response to 9/11 and this time when the kind of nation the nation came together around something and then we invaded iraq and i think uh, that led us to lose a lot of faith in our institutions and then that kind of continued to degrade so uh, again uh there there's there's a book in the making for somebody smarter than me about this Mm -hmm. but i think that is what i take it back to right um and that is coupled with the fact that there are more means to communicate than any time in human history. Uh, We can find information about any obscure topic at any time that we want to. In addition, we're able to filter that information to reaffirm uh, what we believe, our own biases, what we want to see. And so what that does is that isolates us from ideas that are different than our own. So I think if you put those two things together, I think that's what's led us to where we're at today. Which, if we just take an objective view, this is the best time in human history to be alive. You have the best chance of living a long, disease-free, healthy life than at any time in human history. People are living longer. Things are getting better, right? Um, But we don't feel that way. (laughs) We feel that way. We feel like we have this crisis of confidence uh, in our nation. Where we're trying to address that is, one by engaging in real work on the ground. So as part of our program, our students have to do uh, service every semester. They have to engage with community partners. We've done this extensively with Centauri in the, in the hundred of diff- hundreds of different ways that is engaged in our community. <laughs> um, we We believe that's where it starts, right? So I might think, you know, somebody sitting in Congress is a bum, but if I have to engage here on the ground and work on a real problem in my community, I don't think the guy next door is a bum, right? Because I have had to engage. Even if we disagree on politics or policy or, or a whole variety of things, getting down on the ground and working shoulder to shoulder with that person really strips away a lot of those biases, a lot of, a lot of what separates us uh, when we're looking at things from afar. So if we can do that on the ground, and then we can create leaders that go out and do that on, say, the community level, and leaders that go out and do that on the state level and on the national level and the international level, I think that's where we get in the direction of of curing what ails us, um, which really is this crisis of, of confidence.
1: Got it. I think that that's really really well said. So thank you for that. Well, Brett, one of the questions we'd like to ask is what are the top three things you've learned over the past three years? And if I'm not mistaken, I think you said that you took over in 2015, so this is rather timely.
0: Let's see where where to start. I've learned um, I've learned that the millennial generation or the millennial nets, however you want it to divide them, get a bum rap. But I believe they are more engaged and more knowledgeable about how to impact the world than any generation before them. They have this incredible incredible confidence. It's positive in their ability to go out and have an impact and that confidence i think is something that is going to benefit our nation going forward so uh, millennials don't deserve you know the rap that they get from from society that's one thing i've learned um i've learned that uh, engaging on the ground uh, and really getting to see what's going on in community makes the world a much better place because you see that every single day in our community thousands of people are going about trying to make our community a safer place make our schools better uh, make our, our, our streets cleaner all of these different things that you wouldn't see if you if you didn't go looking for it right they're not out seeking praise but that is going on and that gives me great confidence that this is you know Arizona The united states is the right place to be raising my my family my children let's see one last thing that i've learned i guess i would say that what unites us is much stronger than what divides us and that gets hard to see right i think for example not to wade into it but this the Mueller report and you see Democrats disappointed, you see Republicans joy, joyous, <laughs> right. you know, I don't want to paint too broad of a brush, right? Because I know there's a lot in between there. Um, and I think that's a symptom of, of things that are trying to divide us. Um, and the fact is that when you engage with somebody who has a different opinion than yourself as a leader, um, you realize there's a heck of a lot more that unites you. then then divides you. And we can choose to focus on what divides us or we can choose to focus on what unites us.
1: Well said, well said. I think that it's so true. We have a a, a choice to make every day, right? Well, we have a lot and that's certainly one of them. So I think that those are excellent. Thank you.
2: Brett, I love that you talk about... um You know, when I reflect on the Public Service Academy, it it really is a great place for there to be civil civic discourse. And when you think about just how divisive everything is right now, I'm encouraged by the fact that all the students that I've met in that program really do come to the table without a political agenda, but rather let's talk through these issues. Let's actually have some some dialogue. And that's really refreshing to see 18 and 19 year olds do what most full adults can't.
0: (laughs) Right, right. No, it absolutely, and that was, you know, part of the intention when when we were building it, was to build spaces uh, where that could happen, and more importantly, to utilize the spaces within Arizona State University where that already happens right so you know one of our mandates from dr crow was you know leverage everything within the ecosystem and don't reinvent the wheel so you know Centauri again you've you've been on the ground with us doing this right where we look and we see what else is going on how it is we can engage our students to be uh, part of it whether that be the uh, pastor center uh change maker uh the border Regents uh regents cup Uh, Things going on in the Watts College All of these different places to be able to leverage those And um, what you find out once you do that Is there's an enormous amount of space There's a lot of tables around which You can have civic dialogue And where you can be engaged on these issues Without having to be ugly with each other Because the leaders that we need Are leaders who can operate Across the political spectrum To move things forward Whether that be the public, private, nonprofit, Or military sector But who are informed on the issues you know, one of the things I remember from um, a, an old boss of mine—well, he's, he's not old, but he's a previous boss. We'll call him previous. He, <laughs> might, he might hear this and get angry, but uh, who's a who's a friend, uh, b- former boss, and a mentor to me, Alina Rani, who leads the who leads the National Immigration Forum. And I remember asking him, "How can I be successful working for you?" And he said, "You know, I want you to have an opinion. So I want you to sit down when we have staff meetings. Uh, I want to hear your opinion. I want to know what you think." right i'm i'm an incomplete leader i need everybody's input and i thought that was really consequential to me because i came out of the military and the foreign service where you had a very specific lane and that was what you were authority on and you did not comment outside of that lane and the idea that hey you're a leader you need to have an opinion you need to have a well thought out reasoned approach and you, you need to be able to objectively hear other people's opinions that run counter to what you believe. That was this very instructive moment for me, and that's what we demand of our students, is that uh, if you don't know something about uh, uh, incarceration reform or prison reform, uh, then engage on that issue and be able to form uh, an opinion or, or at least be able to engage on that issue. And we want students who are fluent uh, in civic dialogue in that way because those are the leaders that we need for the challenges we face
1: excellent so Brett, the second question we ask everybody if you could make one plea knowing that the entire world would hear it what would that plea be
0: ooh so the entire world listens to you guys man yeah it's,
1: good. It's, it's it's pretty impressive and for the purposes that's, it's, all, it's the also a big responsibility
0: yes. yeah. <laughs> all right all right the one thing um It's, it's going to sound oversimplistic but uh engage don't be passive in your citizenship engage in your citizenship i think traveling uh, i've had the opportunity to travel uh quite a bit and one thing that i uh, am always struck by um is the fact that We have a lot of freedoms here in the United States that we don't realize we have, whether that be those be explicit legal freedoms, freedom of speech, et cetera, uh, or things like economic freedom. The fact that, you know, um, reasonably in a lifetime you can seek education and and go out and be able to have multiple different jobs in multiple different areas to have economic freedom or start a business. And um, I think all of that comes back to engaging early and often. Uh, in civic discourse, in in your community, uh, in, p- in the political or policy realm, um, so that would be don't be don't be passive, don't uh, sit back and watch the place burn. Uh, engage.
1: Excellent. So, how can students get involved with the program, and how can non-students get involved with the program?
0: Awesome question again. Uh, so, if uh, we have students that we accept on two different. Uh, levels. We accept students into our program for who are incoming freshmen. Um, and, you know, that can be any incoming freshman. no age requirements or anything like that. And then we have transfer students who come into a two-year program. So the incoming freshmen, you would come in and do a four-year program. We're looking for students uh, that want to become leaders and want to impact the world in a positive way. And so that runs the whole gamut of folks who are the president of the student body or students who, uh, you know, want to get engaged, but maybe haven't had those opportunities in the past. Um, We additionally are building out within the Public Service Academy model other tracks towards public service. So, for example, next year we'll be rolling out the Emergency Management Corps. This is specifically for students that want to uh, go into emergency management. Uh, We also have a veteran scholar program, which is for student veterans here at the university. where with the stated goal of enhancing their uh, professional and academic success uh, here at the university and beyond when they leave the university. Um, so those are all different ways. For community partners, um, we want more people around the table. Uh, more is always better for us. And again, we've been engaged extensively in a variety of different ways with Centauri and the different groups that he's engaged with. But uh, community partners can come and work with us uh, in our coursework where they can bring a challenge to what's called our community impact lab and have our students work on that challenge for their organization. Public, private, nonprofit doesn't matter. We would love to have folks come and take part uh, in something called our mission team summit, which is coming up actually on April 5th, where we will have our mission teams, our student organizations presenting the work they've done over the last year. And we want to have community partners there to be able to weigh in and uh, give advice on on what they've done and where they should be going into the future. So we're always looking for for more friends, and I'd love to be in touch with any, any community members that want to engage in our work. Brett, I wanted to tell you about um,
2: we had a – I hosted a dinner last week about um, with about 10 executives around just education, and one of them who's a former military said one of the things he wishes is that there was kind of a um, a a mandatory piece for service, or at least that K-12 and universities were uh, more – more connected around the idea of service, and I was like, "Well, yeah. I have an organization that you need to get in contact with, so I'll make
0: sure that you get in contact with him." Very that soon. would be great. Yeah, we've got it in the name. Yeah, no, that that would be great. I'd I'd love to be in contact.
1: Nice. Well, but one last question for me: You said that I think when you were twenty two years old, graduating from college, and then you headed off to Kuwait to lead a platoon. Yeah. Were you ready? Were you ready for that?
0: I wasn't. <laughs> um, luckily, I was surrounded by incredible non-commissioned officers who made sure that we, we made it home safe. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the non-commissioned officer corps and the soldiers in the United States Army, that's uh, really uh, who uh, advances our military um you know the the officers uh we we get to wear shiny rank but it's the it's the folks who are on the ground doing the work um that really move things forward and i was lucky to serve some of the best of them uh and so that's that's who that's who got me through where uh folks like uh first sergeant hurtado and sergeant first class Anspa and uh, a whole variety of other uh of other specialists and sergeants who made sure we uh we made it home safe
1: excellent thank you any other thoughts you want to share
0: no, I appreciate you guys having this conversation uh, and uh, more folks having uh, great conversations about what's going on in our, in our community is a good thing. So thank you for providing this outlet. Yeah, well okay. said.
1: Thank you, Brett, Executive Director of ASU's Public Service Academy. Do check it out. It sounds like an incredible program. I'm excited to learn more. Always thanks, as always, for listening. And remember to keep questioning because the struggle is real. On behalf of Centauri and I, thanks as always for listening. Please subscribe to the show.
0: Leave us a review and feel free to share the show on social media. Thanks a lot.